Welcome to our latest episode of the Untitled Investment Talk, the podcast about all things digital assets. Really happy to be back again here to our Untitled Investment Talk. My name is Carl Michael. And I'm here with my esteemed colleague, Simon, also from Untitled Investment Expertise. Simon, how are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. Yeah. And, and again, today we have a guest and uh, we have a very, very special guest with a very special topic uh, we want to discuss today. With us is Thorsten Hoffman from Australia, a filmmaker, an entrepreneur and a consultant. Thorsten shot a movie or what we would call a very lively, entertaining and informative documentary about Bitcoin, blockchains and the future of the Internet. It's called Cryptopia and was launched uh, late last year or early uh, this year, the question of how you define it. I had the pleasure to attend the European launch event in Berlin here early this year, which some of our colleagues from Untitled Inc., Oliver Krause, Daniel Peach, helped to organize. It was really, really a cool movie, a great event. And so it's a very big pleasure to have you with us here, Thorsten. Welcome. Well, thanks so much for having me and I look forward to this. Thorsten, it's a pleasure having you here, first of all. One question to start it off, maybe let us know a little bit more about yourself. How did you first get into blockchain and the crypto world? And um, of course, also what led you to Australia? Is it connected? Um, are those two things separate? How did you get to where you are right now and where you were when you started making those movies uh, on blockchain? Yeah, um, well, I've been in the intersection of uh, media and finance for a while. Actually, my very first internship back in the dot-com era was for a company called Wall Street Online. And um, ever since then, I've been sort of in media-related uh, businesses. And at one point, I started doing an MBA in, in Oxford. And one of my topics I had to write a paper on in 2009 was uh, alternative currencies. It was like one of those topics that always fascinated me. So I, I kind of chose it. And I started down the rabbit hole to understand how our normal currencies, so government fiat in, uh, currencies, are kind of like a weird system. And I looked at um, some of these script monies, uh, local currencies um, that are usually in paper form that, that circulate in some German towns, some Swiss towns, and some American cities. And that was kind of my introduction to the topic. And then about four years later, when I heard about Bitcoin the first time, I guess it clicked pretty quickly for me you know usually people say oh bitcoin that must be a scam right and and it takes a while but for me since i had done this kind of academic uh, research on it on the topic earlier it clicked and for me it was clear that oh i have to do something you know some people start a podcast some people write a book and for me it was just making a movie because at the time i was representing many documentary filmmakers so i think that that's my my origin story and and the, the personal um, note was that i was getting sick of the german winters and i moved to australia not really business related it was more lifestyle related because nowadays you can you know run your your company and and produce films from all over the world doesn't really matter where i mean that obviously makes sense uh, since we just have the german winter inbound uh, just around the corner maybe let's dive a little bit into your first movie the bitcoin the end of money as we know it it was produced in 2014 and already launched in 2015 
Now, of course, it was quite early. If you look at, for example, the Ethereum white paper in 2014, and I think mainstream being hit by what is blockchain with the whole ICO boom in 2016, 2017. Now, you already mentioned that you had an academic interest in the space earlier than, well, the vast majority of people. Maybe tell us a little bit about what your first movie like was really about and what triggered making it, what, what led you to, as you just already mentioned, a feeling that you have to make something on this topic. Yeah, so I think my view on this topic was really to connect money and currency to Bitcoin. Why does it matter? It was really a film about the history of money, history of banking, central banking, inflation, all these topics that now I think everybody understands because we've been hearing about it so much. But my film back then was kind of the first one to really do like a, yeah, like a long historic look at this topic. And, you know, in a way, it was bad timing, that movie, because we made it when Bitcoin increased in price from, I don't know, maybe a hundred to a thousand. So a huge, huge excitement. And then by the time we released it, Bitcoin was back down at 200 or something like that. So it was like a, a bad time in terms of hype cycle. But um, each hype cycle gets gets bigger, as you know. I mean, we, later we'll, we'll talk about the, the, the next hype cycle, which took us from, I don't know, 1,000 to 20,000, right? And But also it was good time because we made the, the, the movie in a way that it's actually not related to any news topics or the price of Bitcoin. It was a, a film about the, the fundamentals of money. And, and that's why I think it has gained such a big audience and, and popularity um, globally because it's still accurate today. I mean, it was low budget and I would do th things differently now, but, but still we uh, have licensed it to TV channels in 30 countries. Recently, I've just um, licensed it to a YouTube channel and, and reached a million viewers in, I think, three or four months. So won a couple of awards. So I think it went very, very well and still gets airtime today. So I'm, I'm pretty proud of, of the, the audience that has reached. Yeah, I think you, you mentioned a very interesting topic here. How much FOMO and FUD really influence uh, many things we're doing in the blockchain space and how people tend to not be very interested when Bitcoin is at around, let's say now, eight or 9,000. All of a sudden, everyone wants to get in again once it's above 15,000. And of course, that applies to many things, uh, maybe also in the consulting space, in the, in the movie making space. Everyone's interested yeah. when things get overheated again. Actually, let me j jump in there. Um, sorry to interrupt you, but a funny story. I mean, I can basically see my iTunes and Amazon or Vimeo sales like in, in real time, more or less, right? So then the next hype cycle, you know, there was like this crypto winter for a couple of years. And then the next hype cycle took us to that $20,000 or $19,000. And that's exactly when suddenly my on-demand revenue for this film increased by 10, 20, 30 times um, during that December, January uh, peak, right? And then it dropped again. And I think we're, we're seeing the same um, interest uh, coming now because I think the, the, the next hype cycle is just about to start, but about, we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. But absolutely. No, I can absolutely uh, agree with everything you just said there. Yeah, maybe let's, let's touch on that further later. Let's go back to the end of money as we know it. You interviewed a couple of um, very high-profile personalities in the crypto space back then. For example, Roger Weir, Andreas Antonopoulos, uh, Vitalik. How did you back then choose who you wanted to contact? And how did you, maybe you can walk us a bit through the process. How did you get in touch with them and get them to actually appear in the movie? Yeah, so um, it's always a little bit of a chicken and egg problem, right? Because the big names usually don't want to appear if they're the, the, the only one. And if you don't have 
anyone appearing, then you can't really pre-sell the film or like, you know, talk, talk about it on Kickstarter. So it was like a, a Kickstarter funded documentary as well. So it was a little bit tricky. But what I did is I went to that, I think it has become pretty famous, that famous Bitcoin conference in Miami Beach, January 2014. And we just set up shop there. We had a little like studio sort of set up and everyone who was speaking at that conference was a VIP. And, and I've been, I had followed and researched the topic very, very well. I know these people. And then I, I could just kind of pull them in and say, well, do you have 25 minutes for a TV interview? And, and that was it. So it was, even though it was my first documentary, my co-director, Michael, he has done, I don't know, 20 years full of, you know, films for NetGeo and Discovery and the BBC. So we had a little bit more credibility than maybe just any, any other YouTuber. And then sometimes I got lucky, right? So, I mean, Vitalik Buterin was basically not, yeah, unknown or not really known, but then his Ethereum white paper kind of got, got some publicity. And I was um, just kind of lucky to get him, I think, in Toronto at a different um, conference. And even though I didn't end up using Ethereum in my first film, because it was really about money and Bitcoin, uh, I used that fit footage in, in Cryptopia. So five years later, because I, I kind of really liked the, the fact that this 70-year-old boy tells me about the very first ICO in many ways, right? It was like fundraising um, ETH in exchange for Bitcoin. I mean, it's just just crazy to think about it. So I'm I'm very proud and 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 fortunate actually to be part of that early history and and you know some of these early meetings. And then it gets easier, right? The more people you have in the film, then then you you, you start to to get the ball rolling. And then it gets even easier for the second film because you already have that that track record. Yeah, absolutely, that makes sense. I mean, it also seems to me a bit like you were kind of there at the point of the big bang happening where from bitcoin uh, the monolithic maybe system ethereum then all the icos other tokens everything kind of sprang into existence and you were right there uh, right in the beginning and kind of started doing interviews and started with your documentary before everything really blasted off into overdrive and I think that was just the appetizer right and because your your second or latest movie cryptopia Bitcoin, blockchain, and the future of the internet is rather new. Uh, but why did you choose again the same topic? Uh, has anything changed since your first movie in the way you see the world or the protagonists see the world? Yeah, so I, I think it, it was just time to do a recap and time to to revisit those uh, big brains and big egos from you know five years earlier and see what what have they been up to. I mean, Vitalik Buterin is a good example. He was a nobody, a teenager, and now he's kind of uh, this. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know, wonder, wonder, wonderkind, wonderkind uh, that that is um, kind of in charge of building DeFi that people have, you know, entrusted uh, hundreds of billions of dollars uh, into that uh, ecosystem. Roger Vier, of course, is, is another tragic figure, you know, the, the Bitcoin Jesus that has become Bitcoin Judas. And, and there's so much um, conflict. I mean, back in the early days, I, I would say everyone was kind of united in, in their struggle to fight against the establishment, to attack the banks or fight against central banks and, and stuff like that. But now I feel like this whole community has grown so much that there's different um, tribes, different cults almost fighting among each, each other more often than not. So and that was another thing. And then, of course, there's so many more um, technological developments and, and you guys are experts in, in covering that space. And you know much more about the technical details that, that have happened between 2000. 15 where you know nothing other than bitcoin really existed and, and today i mean it's a it's a completely different world fully i fully agree so that kind of 
halfway evolutionary, halfway revolutionary development in this period. But let's dive deeper into the cryptopia than the the new movie. I mean, since we are a podcast, people cannot see the movie. But if you would visualize the movie for our listeners and you have 90 seconds for an elevator pitch, what are the highlights? What are the pictures which would you think stick into, into the viewer's mind? Yeah, so you, you mentioned the structure and the subtitle twice, and, and that's how I usually start it. So the, this is a film about Bitcoin, blockchains, and the future of the Internet. Three parts. We start with Bitcoin. That's where it all starts. And the biggest, most important project. Then we talk about all these other new blockchains, starting from Litecoin and other cryptocurrencies. And then, of course, Ethereum. And then, basically, we, we end with a big global vision about this new decentralized web 3.0 right how how can we maybe use this technology blockchain technology to get rid of our digital overlords right the, the googles and the amazons how can we uh, maybe take charge uh, take control back to uh, of our privacy and data and identity and things like that. Um, so it, it's a very, very ambitious, very fast-paced documentary uh, produced for the cinema, supported by Norddeutsche Rundfunk, so one of the public broadcasters here in Germany, supported by Screen Australia, the, the film commission in Australia. So a, a big, big major production with basically covering the entire ecosystem, the entire industry I and mean, all of its narratives, all the controversial figures and the most interesting projects. This, I think, gives a good overview of the structure and what, what people could expect. You had a couple of launch events. Due to Corona, unfortunately, I think your, your promotional tour got a little bit interrupted, but you found ways around it. But if you recall the events you already had, and I think you had events in Asia, you had events in Europe, I don't know if elsewhere, how did the audience react? And was there a difference, by the way, between the Asian community and the European community? Uh, can you enlighten us a little bit or enlighten our listeners a little bit on this? Yeah, so so you're absolutely right. So the, the original plan was to do like this global cinema tour. And and I, I got stuck here in, in Europe because of the coronavirus. And, and obviously cinemas are still closed in many, many countries. But to answer the, the first part of your question, so the cinema events were really a great get together for the entire community and and you've you've been to the one in berlin where basically you've you've seen some of the bitcoin maximalists and some of the early investors you see the the whole um, blockchain um, tech ecosystem right the startups and and the the accountants and the lawyers uh, around that space and just also um general public people who actually do not know much about the topic but uh, i mean what what better way to learn and interact than uh, to watch a one and a half hour or 80 minute long um, documentary. So I think it was a good mix of people. And what I really, really liked is like that, that excitement. So it wasn't like about me as the filmmaker doing a Q&A. No, it was about actually meeting the whole local um, scene, whether it was in Melbourne or in Berlin um, or in Luxembourg or, or wherever. That was really what, what I liked best. And what was the reaction? So I think I... I've done my job well if there's always some people disagreeing, right? So the Bitcoin maximalists don't like that I talk too much about Bitcoin cash, right? And then the, the Ethereum people say, well, yeah, but you should have talked more about DeFi and this and this application, right? And then, of course, everyone who owns some other coins from from projects that I haven't mentioned, they're not happy. So So there's always a little bit of that, but... Most of the times uh, they are kind of telling me, well, you did a good job, a, a neutral and unbiased view of the whole ecosystem, which is, I think, very, very hard to do. And I, I tried my best to to remain 
unbiased. So there's a few critical voices in there. There's a few, you know, cultists that they are maybe too much into the BTC or BCH camp. But overall, I think the balance was about right. And and yeah, of course, there's always going to be people upset. But overall, uh, people like the film. We are at, I think, 8.9 on IMDb at the moment. We still have a 5.0 rating on Amazon uh, globally. It's, it's not on Amazon Germany. But but yeah, no, things are going very well indeed. Okay. Well, I can tell you personally the the scenes I remember next to the some of the interview scenes most was this bunker vault scene in Switzerland, right? And the other one was in the interview the sentence "magical things will happen." Can you elaborate a little bit on these two scenes in your movie? Yeah, so the the bunker, the Bitcoin bunker scene is indeed the most popular. And like when you read coverage about the film or reviews or uh, post, a lot of people will, re will reference that that scene. So basically, we took our film crew to a secret uh, military bunker, decommissioned bunker in Switzerland, where one fifth of the private keys are held for allegedly about I think twenty billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. So these are managed by a Swiss company. The the exchange on top sitting on top is Zappo in America. They have uh, I think about seven million customers, mostly in emerging markets. I think by now probably ten million customers. So it's it's a major major yeah Bitcoin cold storage facility, and we were the first film crew to ever be allowed in. The challenge was of course to get the guy talking right and because we, we you know the security guards were a little bit uneasy uh, we weren't allowed to to film some of the, the the security measures and we basically had in our edit had to shift the scene a little bit around you know show a door earlier that was actually latest just to make sure that nobody could use <laughs> that footage to to break into the place but it's it's impossible to i mean even get near it anyway so these people are super paranoid and they're getting paid <laughs> for for being super paranoid so that was super exciting and and the whole crew i mean these all tv professionals have said they've, they've never seen anything like it so i think no point talking about it more i think people just need to see it and look actually i'm gonna maybe focus on another uh, scene that people really kind of liked so what maybe many of us don't realize is the history of the internet the, the internet is a 50 year old technology and for the first 10 20 years there was, wasn't really a killer app until maybe email came along or maybe uh, maybe then the, the web browser obviously the world wide web and i had the chance and privilege to to meet and interview um, robert khan who was one of the two inventors of tcpip and just to get that historical perspective and then also to go to the computer history museum in, in silicon valley uh, we have an academic in oxford also explaining about the, the history of innovation i think that context setting is super super important and you know i can't tell you how many people told me let's get rid of that chapter it's not really relevant you know let's drive this the story home and uh, wh why do we do this historically too but, but i do find it super super interesting and because everything that happened 40 30 20 years ago the, the dot-com uh, boom the the stock market the the ipos back in the days the the people saying on oh, the internet there's only you know scams and and uh, child pornography is on the internet all these stories that you hear about bitcoin and blockchain now It, it's copy paste, and that that is just, I think, a very important historic lesson. And and I really enjoyed writing and and directing that part of the film. No, yeah, I absolutely agree. I think one of the most amazing things about the internet and about uh, the digital world in total, and of course also cryptography, is that unlike for many technologies that really define our lives nowadays, many of the or even most of the great people that developed and uh, worked on these technologies are still alive and you can actually still meet them and talk to them. So 
I think maybe to to switch over a bit uh, to another topic, Robert Schiller, the Nobel laureate, um, I think mentioned just recently in his book Behavioral Economics that Bitcoin is so interesting amongst other things because the narrative around it is the finance narrative. And people see banks and the financial system as uh, powerful. They see it as sexy in a way. They see the bankers and the finance guys as the one in charge after even ahead of the politicians. So you also focused a lot on the financial cryptocurrency side of blockchain. Maybe you can elaborate a bit more on why that was the main focus. And what do you think about, of course, other applications like um, self-sovereign identity management, tracing of origins of commodities, verification, supply chain management, all those maybe use cases that we hear a lot more from consultants that we read often papers, but seem to be a lot less sexy for the narrative and for the story. Yeah, you touch on maybe one of the weak points in the film, right? Because I obviously have a limited time and there's so many interesting, sexy and brand new developments. But but as a filmmaker, I also have to be careful not to go down too deep into rabbit holes. So I think my job is to explain the principles. So what is a public chain, right? And why does it matter? Why why could it unseat the, the current financial system? And what are private blockchains? And what are they good for? And, and why will they matter, right? But not to, to go too deep into specific use cases, because I have to make a film that's still relevant in three or four or five years. Otherwise, you know, I'm, I'm losing money on, the, on this whole enterprise. So look, I wish I could dive deep on these topics. I'm certainly not an expert. I would have loved to talk to more, you know, more experts um, like yourselves about it but I think the film is ambitious as it is and it's so many details and so hard to follow especially for for newbies that I, I think it's fine in fact actually I'm currently doing the German television version um, which is shorter so it's a 52 minute um, time slot usually and um, where a lot of the details a lot of the inside baseball a lot of the inside jokes are going to uh, you know be, be deleted anyway because um, that audience on on the public um, TV channels are even less sophisticated so yeah that, that's, that's just how it goes you know i absolutely understand that i mean at the end of the day it's uh, still a business that needs to have a clearly defined target audience demographic so maybe to have a bit more light-hearted topic as you were shooting the documentary and you did it over the course of about two years and of course you put a lot of effort a lot of love and time and into it you went around the entire world you've met so many people you did a scene in a helicopter of course the bunker as carmichael mentioned what was for you the most entertaining and the most fun moment or day of shooting the movie? On the one hand side and on the other, was there like one really critical point where you thought, hey, this might be make it or break it? Yeah, wow, that, these are good questions. So the, the most fun to shoot is, is the bunker scene. I, I just I have, to, I have to admit that. But the other question is, is a tricky one, right? So what is... Make it or break it is hard because I have so many interviewees, right? I have like 60 hours of interview footage. Yes, surely I can find good 30 minutes uh, of it uh, for the film. That that was never really a concern because I know this space. I'm, I'm not a tourist filmmaker. I'm, I'm, I'm really part of the community. So, so that wasn't tricky. But I will tell you like a topic that was dangerous and uh, yeah maybe maybe controversial so we had arranged an interview with the, the craig wright camp and then slowly slowly via my australian connections and some other knocking on doors and asking for favors we finally got got the interview with with craig wright who's, who's definitely the most uh, controversial um, character 
especially one one year ago, one and a half years ago, he was all over the news. Maybe nowadays he's a little bit less um, visible. But basically, the, the tricky part here is how do you give someone enough room to at least explain his worldview, but at the same time not give him a platform for his propaganda, right? So, so I am very well aware that 98% of the ecosystem and the industry thinks he's a scammer, right? But that it's it's not my job to to um, expose him that's a different film my job is to find the two or three topics that actually do make a lot of sense and where he um has maybe some points nobody else you know has talked about right so i'm i'm not talking about the the satoshi origin story that's a different film but i find it highly highly interesting that that there's one guy in this entire um space that is all about patents, right? Nobody else talks about patents. Uh, and then this idea of these super, super big blocks, I mean, who knows whether they will work? Probably not, but, but, but that's, not, that's not my job as a filmmaker to, to do a technical assessment. But I think those are the two points that we, we focused on. And we give him three or four minutes and people have really criticized me. But after seeing this, they said, well, actually, I think you, you walked a fine line, but I, I make it kind of clear by adding other voices, right, to introduce him and also to, to leave that scene in a way that it doesn't mean I'm supporting or giving him a platform. Yeah, I can see that's being a very touchy topic that might backfire. But I mean, at the end of the day, I understand that that's kind of the hallmarks of a good documentary, that you make voices heard without letting them necessarily promote their worldview. Thorsten, you said you even prepared with a lot of diligence for your first movie and, and you're an expert uh, in this field, uh, whatever you say here. But was there any big new insight you gained during shooting this Cryptopia film with regards to blockchain, crypto industry in general? Yeah, let me just quickly double click on the earlier point and then, then I'll go right there. So one of the things that I learned is definitely that I have dozens and dozens of hours of footage of people telling me their worldview and telling me their special coin and their projects and their, their view in the world. And that's great, but nobody's going to watch 20 hours of, of, of footage. I mean, that's what podcasts are for on YouTube uh, clips, right? This is a cinema documentary, so it must be entertaining. So basically, as a, as a filmmaker, you also want to see the emotions behind it. You want to see that moment where somebody really gets angry or really gets passionate or really gets, uh, you know, excited about something. Mm -hmm. And so, so that is kind of, that was my learning as a filmmaker as well. And when you see the film, you can watch the jumping from one emotional highlight to the next drama to the next. So just to keep the audience kind of engaged. And, and then to, to answer your, your question a bit more on a, on a technical, technical level. Yeah, I think. When we started making it, this whole Bitcoin, Bitcoin cash fork, civil war was like a big story, which now when we released it was less so. So I think dedicating eight minutes or whatever it is in the film is, is right, because I think it is a historical important moment. It's important to understand both of those camps and where they come from. But clearly, I mean, this is less relevant uh, today, no doubt about it. And clearly, on the other hand, DeFi and the whole, you know, Ethereum ecosystem and all these new protocols that, that are being built around it and, and the locked up value and all these tokens and the assets, digital assets tied to some of the blockchains. I mean, this is a space that's growing like madness. And I wasn't quite ready for that. I, I don't really cover it maybe enough in my film. 
So there's a topic for your next film defined already, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But let, let's maybe uh, go back uh, to your Cryptopia premiere event in Berlin here, uh, end of February, where I really had the pleasure to be to be in the audience. Um, it was really packed, very interesting, heterogeneous audience. But I still had the uh, the impression most of them are coming from the classical crypto scene or very much near, close to to blockchain topics. Since this podcast here is for institutional investors as well, and also from traditional incumbent institutional investors, do you think? And I personally think, but I would like to ask you this question. Is this documentary also relevant for professional and traditional larger institutional investors? Do you have experience in showing these movies to whatever big banks, funds, etc.? Yeah, yes, yes and yes. So we, we did one screening that was that might have been the last one before the lockdown that was held by a bank in Switzerland. And basically the CEO of the bank sat with me on the panel with a professor from the university and internal staff. The short message is, look, this is an important shift in our industry. We need to be across this. And here's two or three things that we will um, introduce in the future to our customers. So that was an internal bank event. So 100% uh, yes to your question. And the other one was politicians, right? So in Luxembourg, the event, we had one person there from the um, European Commission and then another from the Ministry of Digital Transformation, something in, in Luxembourg. So, so the, the political regulatory angle. And it's the same in Australia, where we are very close with, with the regulators and, and the, the big um, uh, lobbyist uh, groups. And the, the other part of the question was whether I think the film is relevant for potential investors, right? Institutional investors. Yeah, exactly. Private. Yeah. yeah. And my view on this is this. The... A film like this is like the top end of the funnel, right? So maybe at the very top end, people hear about Bitcoin on the news, on the on the on the newspaper, right? And then a couple of times they read about it and they're still confused. And then a, a, a documentary will be one of their first points of entry, right? Maybe it's my first film, maybe it's my second film, maybe it's something on a news news TV channel, and then slowly people get down the rabbit hole. Some go very deep and change careers and you know start a podcast and other people uh, or make a movie and other people will start investing, uh, right? But it usually starts with like those type of introduction media, right? And then they buy a book and then they um, start their their journey down all these podcasts and all these uh, medium articles and so forth. So, so yeah, I think for those who are still not 100% across all the developments and how, how all these narratives play together and why Bitcoin matters, I think my two films are just a perfect entry gate. Yeah. Okay, cool. Maybe I stick a little bit to this institutional investor topic. And I somehow can expect what your answer will be to the following question, but I still ask it. So, I mean, what we currently see is a big Bitcoin bull run, right? Interestingly, driven currently very much by what I would say institutional news, right? So you have uh, public listed companies like MicroStrategy yeah. building cash reserves of over 400 million with Bitcoin Square, building Bitcoin reserves of 50 million. We see PayPal offering their services for US users. We see a lot of regulatory developments in Europe, but also in the US. So the, the banking regulator, OCC, gave green light for traditional banks to hold crypto custody. We have this grayscale fund who grows really incredibly, right? I think 
last week with 240 million only, they hold more than 5 billion Bitcoin assets already, ETC. Was this, let's say, institutional money anywhere mentioned during your talks with the, let's say, crypto scene prominent people? in your interviews, because you said you have like whatever, 30, 60 hours of, of footage and you cannot show everything that I would understand. But was it somehow mentioned or is it something which you think hit these guys, um, maybe hit, it, hit them very immediately? Yeah. So now we finally have a, a point where I can be a bit more controversial <laughs> and a bit more contra like adversarial to, to you, what you said. So first of all, I do not agree that this is a bull market yet. I mean, um, I've been uh, to a bull market from 100 to 1,000. I've been uh, to the one from 2,000 to 20,000. And when it really gets hyperbolic and, and uh, when there's a short squeeze coming, um, it's going to be completely mad and you just mentioned i mean now robin hood users and paypal users like you know hundreds of millions of people have access and uh, to buying coins where where like three or four years ago it was a, a tenth of that, that number maybe if at all and then um, the, the the other bull run was maybe a hundredth of of, of the amount of investors um, and the you know trade exchange volumes so now we, we haven't seen anything yet and yeah buckle up for for the next big one and then secondly, look, for, for me, this kind of institutional money coming in or even, even a private, private money coming in, that was clear the first time I read about Bitcoin in 2014 uh, or, or 13. In almost every interview, this is almost like a, like a given. That's why people build their businesses. That's why people you know, start being passionate about, them, about the topic because they believe this, this is going, going places. So I, I almost don't even ask the question because that's that's kind of natural so i like for for me i don't really care which central bank starts buying bitcoin or holding bitcoin you know next to their gold reserves because it will ha happen eventually i don't know i don't care which which one comes first what matters is maybe that in eight years or in 16 years you know it's going to be maybe the european central bank so yeah I, i'm i'm not really interested in those short-term news or whether it's paypal or jp morgan and all this I've, I've i've watched these news for for too many years to get too excited about them maybe let's go back to um to your movie a bit like right now, of course, the difficult times for most of us. You planned a, or were already on a promotion tour for the project. Of course, that's kind of hard to yeah. do right now. What are you doing to keep the hype going, to keep the momentum and um, the spreading of the word going right now? That movies theaters are closed down and uh, everything is kind of hard and to do in person. Yeah, I mean, um, you're right. The cinema tour is kind of over. Uh, there's still a few fil film festivals happening. I think we have now 21, 22 different film festivals all over the world. I think we won three or four awards, audience awards and cinematography awards and, and so forth. So things are going well on that end. But, but in terms of how to reach the audience, I mean, obviously it's all online. And so we launched um, on Amazon Prime in about 80, 80 countries. We are on Vimeo On Demand globally and also CryptopiaFilm.com. So if you want to support independent filmmakers, CryptopiaFilm.com is, is where you, you find the direct access, so to speak. And on top of that, one of the things I'm, I'm spending some time on is the, the television version, obviously, but also different language versions. So how do we translate this into French and then get a French narrator, right? And then reach even more French people in this case. We're already doing this for Indonesian, for 
uh, Spanish. We have a subtitle version for Portuguese, but not a, a not a dubbed version yet. So this is all happening now. And I mean, ultimately, this this film will reach tens of millions of people, just like my first one. And I also think it has a long shelf life because whether Bitcoin is up or down, or whether you know blockchain is a sexy top topic or, or buzzword at the moment or not, we know that you know this technology is here to stay, right? So uh, I think more and more people will have to uh, you know, uh, learn about it. Absolutely. I mean, I can also personally tell my experience a bit how, of course, now with prices approaching 17,000 again, people I haven't heard from basically since the ICO hype are all of a sudden contacting me again, asking, hey, Simon, what should I read or what should I watch in order to understand Bitcoin or to understand the crypto scene? So I think media like your documentaries are absolutely a step to reach those people and to be, as you said, quite far up in the funnel where they can get in with relatively low barriers of entry that um, they can just watch and spend like two hours on at most. And they have a generally a good idea of what's going on, what are they dealing with. Yeah, and what I find interesting, you know, every day or every week I get, I don't know, up to 10 emails from just random people and fans, but also sometimes it's the Accounting Association of Australia, 200,000 accountants. So they think about, okay, how do we get this topic into our curriculum? How, how do all the accountants in the country start learning about blockchain? And, and maybe a movie is a good starter. And then they have panel discussions or whatever else for their individual you know, profession. Or maybe it's, it's college professors, right? I've, I've done a number of, of sessions with universities. So there's um, so much interest from so many different angles that it's hard for me to say, well, this is the audience or this is you know, the, who, who this film is for. It, it's actually quite, quite broad. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, maybe on that topic, are you already planning for a next production? Things are moving fast. DeFi has developed so much within over, just over the course of this year. And the institutional bull run, we've all seen it coming. Maybe if it's not quite there yet, things like Grayscale really getting in um, and buying up mm. almost the entire produced supply of Bitcoin. These things are like getting more and more attention. Do you already have any plans on the next production? To be honest, I don't. You know, this a project like this takes two years and, and the funding is one of the most um, painful parts, the Kickstarter and the pre-production, the development and going to the film commissions, the traditional route. I mean, I'm still hoping that some of my early supporters are now so rich that they, they don't mind <laughs> spend, like, uh, like supporting me uh, on, a, on a producer <laughs> level. But, but yeah, no, going, going um, through the whole funding round, I, at the moment, I don't have the capacity or the, the, the time. You're right. I mean, there's many, many stories, individual projects, but also, you know, big, big narratives. And, and especially with governments now, now moving in, maybe, maybe that, that could be the next one. So ideas is not the problem. Execution is not the problem, but, but the funding and the, and the development of it usually is. And I'm, I'm waiting for a call. Mm -hmm. I understand that. Maybe not to um, sum it all up again, or no, let's go into... I think a lot of our viewers right now uh, might really want to watch both of your movies. Um, where do you recommend them to best watch them? Yeah, it depends a little bit on, on language. So uh, there's different language versions, uh, you know, all over, um, like even TV channels uh, around the world, but that's hard to, to explain. So I think the, the easiest one is just, uh, so Cryptopia, the brand new movie is on Amazon everywhere except in German-speaking countries because it will be on German television first. But it's available for everyone on CryptopiaFilm.com. Super easy. If you then get it from us, you enter the code when you check out UINC. It's um, untitled 
it's not centralized. So <laughs> you, you ink for, for a discount code. And my first film, Bitcoin, the end of money is on YouTube, multiple channels, multiple versions. I'm sure you're going to find it easily. Cool. I think that's a good pre-Christmas gift for our, for our listeners. And to end this interview, we normally ask the golden question at the end. And the golden question for you is maybe a little bit back to the roots. The end of money near, Thorsten? Yeah, in many ways I could take this. I've obviously been thinking about this quite a lot because now I'm kind of stuck with this, this title that I chose six years ago with the end of money as we know it, which is a grand claim. I mean, obviously, no, we will uh, always exchange value. We will always have, not always, but we will have national currencies for a long, long time, even though they might go blockchain, they might go digitized, you know, the, the central bank uh, digital currencies. Yeah, I, so my, my big answer would be no. I'm, I'm less interested of, of what's ending. I'm more interested uh, in, in what's coming. And I mean, obviously, Bitcoin as digital gold is, is here to stay. Obviously, all these DeFi projects you know, getting so much traction. It's a new investment class. There's so many exciting things happening and you cover it in this podcast. So, so that's what I'm super excited about. And that would be my answer. Tosin, we thank you very much for the time you spent with us. It was a, a cool, interesting interview. And the filmmakers are not the guys we are normally uh, talking to, but I think even the institutional investor community and professional investors are very much keen about learning uh, even more about the scene. And I think your movies are absolutely great, great facility to do so. Yes, Simon, also thank you for being a co-host today. And thank you to all our listeners um, for listening to this show and uh, stay loyal and wait for the next very exciting, untitled investment talk. 